is happening, everyone? Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. Will, my friend, how are you on this Wednesday? I'm excellent, man. It's a it's always a good day to talk MMA. Uh, midway through the week, we've got a phenomenal fight card coming up on Saturday, man. Let's get into it. There's so much to talk about. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just waste time talking about how close we are to July and the two monster pay-per-views that are upcoming. Uh, but I did see one of the uh, fight posters for Poirier Gaethje, and uh, if anybody out there has uh, access to one of those, send it my way. I would I would proudly hang the Poirier Gaethje fight poster in my radio studio. So uh, just throwing that out there. We had a, a gigantic fight card on Saturday. ABC, right? The UFC got the big spotlight and the ABC platform. And my gosh, Will, did it deliver? Yeah, it was a phenomenal night of fights from start to finish. I mean, it was a little early. The start time was a little early, 1030 uh, a.m. Central Time. But um, the fight, the fights did not disappoint. We had a phenomenal main event. Uh, we had prospects who just kind of uh, shine through uh, on this card. I mean, everything that you would want out of an ABC card, uh, and it worked out in the UFC's favor. I mean, you got you you built new stars, and I think that was what was intended with this card. Well, speaking of new stars, I don't know how many people were on the Ilya Taporia train before Saturday, but I feel like collectively the MMA world is now on the Ilya Taporia train, to which I would say, and, and I think you would echo this, welcome aboard, people. We've been riding this train for a couple years now. This guy is sensational, and this was really his, I mean, on a big stage, welcome to the UFC type of moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you were on it before before I was. Uh I remember, you know, when he beat Jai Herbert with that phenomenal body punch to, and then he connected with that big right hand. You were on it, I think, around that time, maybe before then. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, what he did to Bryce Mitchell. But this was, like you said, this was the big moment. This is the main event on ABC against a name people know, Josh Emmett. And it was as flawless of a performance uh, that you can get. You had a couple 10-8 rounds, and then you even had one judge throw in a 10-7 round, which is extremely, extremely rare. It, it, the 10-8 is rare. You see it a little bit more nowadays, but the 10-7 is one of those probably once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> <laughs> type type scores. I was shocked to see it. I didn't score it, uh, that round at 10-7, but it, it just goes to show the type of performance that he had. It was uh, flawless. Uh, Josh Emmett is one tough customer. And Taporia put him out, or nearly put him out on several occasions. But just the gap in skill uh, was very apparent. I think that's where you saw a lot of the score. Um, the score is what they were. Uh, 50 to 42 what was one. 50 to 44, I think, was another, another one. Uh, so um, Taporia's skill, I mean, is shown on such a big stage. And uh, like I said, just a flawless, flawless performance. I Off the top of my head... I couldn't remember the last time I saw a 50-42 score in a five-round fight. Can you? No. 50-42! Uh, that, that, that is ridiculous. I mean, maybe uh, Amanda Nunes had uh, a 50-42 scorecard you know, with some of those lopsided decisions that she yeah. got, but, oh, man. Um, and, you know, I felt like that fight, I'm not going to say it was close, but I think Josh Emmett was in the fight, Um 10 sevens, I, I, I don't know about that one, but just just like I said, the skill that Taporia showed, it was very impressive. I mean, all the things that he was doing. And he he beat him basically fighting a boxing-style fight 
which Emmett had a good chance that like that was his best chance of winning was this fight being on the feet. Yeah. Uh, Taporia was able to nullify the wrestling. I mean, just everything that Taporia did was just was just top of was top tier, man. I was very impressed, man. I was very impressed, to say the least. I mean, two weeks in a row in the UFC main events, we've seen toughness to the highest degree, right? A week ago, it was Marvin Vittori and everything that he took from Jared Cannonier, and he was still standing at the end, despite looking like he had been hit by a dump truck. And I think everything I just said, cut, copy, paste to Josh Emmett, right? At the end of five rounds, for him to still be standing, having taken everything Ilya Taporia dealt out, uh, and he looked like he was hit by a dump truck at the end of it. I mean, it's a testament to the toughness of Marvin Vittori. It's a testament to the toughness of Josh Emmett, um, which I think gives you, for both of those guys, a whole new appreciation of of just, you know, the guts that they have, the never-say-die attitude. I mean, there are so many others that probably at some point would have uh, started to to mail it in, right? And and somewhat, like, not not actually wave the white flag but you just at some point maybe lose that desire to continue to dig as deep as you possibly can and we saw josh emmett uh never say die if you will i don't know how he wasn't finished in that fight i mean he got hit with everything Ilya taporia had and he was able to survive he looked like he was hit by the kitchen sink at the end of the fight but in terms of him being in the fight i think you put it well like there was such a giant gap, I think, in the skill sets of these two guys. And and while Ilya Taporia, I think, was winning by a giant margin, I think you always had the feeling like if Josh Emmett didn't give up on himself, it only takes one big shot, right? And he never landed that big shot to ultimately turn the tide. He did land some good ones, but you felt like he was only one gigantic shot away from maybe having a chance to pull out a, a Leon Edwards Hail Mary, if you will, right? Uh, it never came, but that was, I think, the exciting part, is watching Ilya Taporia display this world-class skill level while also knowing that danger on the other side is only one giant right hand away, and, and it was it was very fun to watch. Yeah, very, very fun. Uh, and the thing that impressed me the most about Taporia was the fact that he was able to uh, win this fight basically boxing a lot, uh, being able to defend himself, but just the diversity in his strikes. I mean, he, he was going from head to body and he was chopping up those legs of Josh Emmett. Whenever Josh Emmett looked like he was gaining a, a little bit of momentum, Taporia would go back to the leg kick and it just stopped everything. Yeah. And then Taporia was able to uh, just start raining down punches. I mean, like you said, Josh Emmett's face looked terrible at the end of it. Um, you know, Emmett for for what it's worth, Emmett was able to land some 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 good some good shots, but nothing of significance. Um, nothing that really made you know the fans go ooh or made me go oh my goodness, you know, Taporia's hurt. Uh, Taporia did a good job of staying out of danger, but was able to um, still show his arsenal of strikes. I mean, his his bag is deep, as the kids say uh, these days. So I mean, it was just a, a epic performance from uh, Taporia, and you don't see many guys in the featherweight division that have that type of skill outside of the champion. I mean, Max Holloway uh, is great. He's, he's great with his boxing. Uh, Brian Ortega is great with his uh, jujitsu. Um, Josh Emmett is a great wrestler, but like Taporia seems like he's one of those guys outside of Volk who's just like the best of everything. Uh, we saw him wrestle with, with, with Jai Herbert and Bryce Mitchell. We saw him, a strike, you know, get knockouts over uh, over Jai Herbert. Um, but 
this performance from against Emmett, it just seemed like it was just the best of, of everything. And the fact that he's able to do that, that makes it very interesting for what could possibly be next for him. Yeah. So I remember first seeing him fight Yusuf Zalal in 2020. And I was like, okay, like I, this guy's on my radar. And then the Damon Jackson win, I was like, this dude is for real. And then I was really excited about the Ryan Hall matchup. Cause then you start to, you know, throw a different type of test at him. And I mean, he just assassinated Ryan Hall on the, on the mat. Right. Which was, it was a weird fight anyway. Uh, but just the, the way that he did that, it was just like, this guy has something different. And that's when I felt like, okay, this guy is on another level. And then I think the Jai Herbert, you know, fighting up at 155, like that fight overcoming some adversity, that's what really gave me the feeling. Like I started saying at that point, I think championship ceiling is what this guy has. Uh, I think with what we've seen in his last two tests, I mean, the toughest grappler in the in the division with Bryce Mitchell and, you know, arguably the biggest like one punch hitter in the division with Josh Emmett. I mean, he's passed both tests with absolute flying colors if my math is correct, Will, I believe we are now 10 days away from the featherweight title match with Volk and Yair Rodriguez, which I think is going to be a great fight. I cannot wait. I would argue that, for me at least, especially given what that division is and, and you know Max Holloway in the equation and the trilogy with Volk, I, I feel like, for me, Ilya Teporia has done enough without fighting again that he would be next, especially if Volk is the winner. If Yair wins, I think you probably have a rematch uh, anyway. But if Volk beats Yair 10 days from now, I think for me, Ilya Teporia has done enough to get that fight. Yeah, especially if if Volk wins. Because like you said, we're at this point now where the number one ranked featherweight outside of Volk is Max Holloway. Volk's beat him three times. Um, You've got Arnold Allen up there who Max has beat. Um, you've got Brian Ortega who's, who's there, but Max and Volk have, have beat him. Um, I forget who's that, who's sitting at number two. Uh, but I think you got, you put, you throw in a guy like, uh, Ilya Teporia who has shown great skill, who's, who's shown that he can match up well with the, with the champion. Uh, oh, number two would be Yair, right? Well, the new rankings have Yair number one with the interim belt. With the interim belt. And then okay, Max okay. is two, Ortega three, Arnold Allen four, and Ilya Teporia five. Okay, okay, perfect. So, yeah, so Yair's fighting for the belt. And so, like, Teporia just makes sense as a next guy. Um, he's on a winning streak. He matches up well with the champion. And, you know, with Volk and, and Max having basically ruled this division, it's, it's a fresh matchup. It's fresh blood. Uh, so... I think I don't really need to see uh, Teporia fight anybody else. If any, if if you're gonna have him fight anybody else, it, it would be Max. But Max is fighting the Korean Zombie uh, in August. Yeah, there's no reason for Teporia to fight Max because, like, if Max wins, you're gonna have to do Max and and Volk again, and we've seen that before. Why not just you know go ahead? The the, the timing works out. If if Volk wins, I just think it makes a ton of sense. Just go ahead and do Volk and, and Teporia. I don't need to see Teporia fight anybody else. I think Yair Rodriguez has a legit chance against Volk. Uh, but if Very. you asked me uh, one featherweight to put in the octagon to to give me the best chance if I'm on the other side of Volk, I think Ilya Teporia is absolutely my pick. If you're going to put someone in there to t- to separate Volk from consciousness, it's definitely Yair Rodriguez. But if you're going to put in someone in there to match Volk's skill for skill, to 
to actually prove that, hey, this guy is better than Alexander Volkanovsky, it is absolutely Ilya Teporia. Um, Skill-wise, that's the matchup. But yeah. in terms of danger, it's Yair Rodriguez. Um, but, like, I mean, Teporia might offer danger in other ways that Volk just hasn't seen yet. I just think that Yair with the link and with the creativity of strikes – um, I mean, Volk may, may get hit with something he doesn't see coming, That's like right. Usman did with Leon. So um, those two guys, are, those are the fights for, for Volk. We're, we're obviously going to see Volk and, and uh, Yair fight in 10 days. And Volk has acknowledged, like, Yair is the most dangerous fight for me. But in terms of skill, Volk and Teporia would be out of this world. Well, we got to talk about the the co-main event, Macy Barber, Amanda Hebos. I thought this was great matchmaking. I mean, two of the big prospects in this division that kind of feels like it's starting to turn over. Uh, you know, I, I think they are looking younger in this division, and you want to start accelerating maybe some of the young prospects. Either way, I thought the winner of this was was going to get a giant push toward the top of this division, and I thought it was it would be warranted. While I think we both picked Amanda Hebos last week. Um, Macy Barber with the, I think the signature performance of her career to this point. And, you know, I think the difference in these two going into this fight for me was I felt like Amanda Hebos just on a, on a more consistent basis, just showed us this, this, um, this dog mentality, right? Like she's going to go in there. She's going to pressure. There's going to be a lot of output and, while I feel like Macy Barber has been very skilled, more often than not, I feel like she's almost in her head too much and she almost is at times too calculated. And the one thing about this fight that I really like is Amanda Hebos and her pressure and output don't really give Macy Barber an opportunity to be too calculated, right? Like this to me is almost the perfect opponent to to bring out the very best that Macy Barber has. And she didn't have time to to really get in her own mind about what she was going to do. She just had to react. And I, I think we saw a completely different version of Macy Barber on Saturday and a Macy Barber that uh, very much has a place toward the top of this division. Yeah, I, I think uh, you hit you hit it on the uh, on the head there. I think that Hebos's pressure allowed Barber to just really just get into her bag and let loose, be free. And uh, she showed just her striking was just on another level. Just the way that she leveled up from fight to fight, but especially with her striking, it was just on another level. She was hurting Hebos in that first round, I thought, uh, but I didn't expect the finish. That that sequence when the finish came, that that head kick just landed so clean. And that, that's just something that you don't really see Hebos really throw that often. And then you don't really see the power that she, that she possessed in that fight. I just, you know, hadn't seen it. So I, I just thought that Hebos was going to be better everywhere. But Barbara just showed just complete evolution in her game. And then just she showed that she's dangerous on the feet. Uh, and that if this fight, we already know what she can do on the ground with her ground to pound, with her wrestling and everything. But adding the, that type of striking to it, I, I, I see uh, a championship level uh, contender uh, on our hands at, at flyweight. Um I thought that performance, like I said, it was her signature performance. And I'm excited to see what's next for her, man. It was just a phenomenal, star-making performance from Macy Barber. That, to me, was one of the more, I think, fun 
uh, women's division fights that we've had this calendar year. I mean, you know, Bar- Barbara obviously had the the really dominant close to the first round, and then Hebos comes right back, right, and was winning, I think, the second round until uh, Barbara got that incredible finish. So you kind of have the back and forth and then the highlight finish. I mean, in a package, that to me is probably about as entertaining as any women's fight that we've had in 2023. Yeah, I, I think it's on the short list, if not probably number one of women's fight of the year for sure. Um, we know that Amanda Nunes and, uh, um, oh shoot, uh, Irene Aldana is not going to be on that list. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, in terms of just um, both both women going out there, leaving it all out there. I mean, you know, you have Joanna and uh, and Wei Lee that that did that over five rounds. Uh, we actually got a finish in this one, um, so I, I think that yeah, this is this may hold up uh, towards the end of the year as the uh, fight of the year in terms of women's uh, MMA. In terms of Macy Barber and this division, I mean, we've talked about this division a lot recently, especially with. Uh, Valentina losing the belt, getting the rematch, what you do with Aaron Blanchfield going forward, um, and just the new blood in this division overall. I know that basically the majority of the big names right now in title contention in that division already currently have a scheduled opponent. For Macy Barber, I mean, the two names that are right above her in the rankings are are, uh, Lauren Murphy and Caitlin Shukagian. I mean, I, I think either one of those names makes a lot of sense, both of them with... Uh, a lot of experience, and again, if you if you can't give her, you know, one of the names that that is currently booked, I mean, I, you know, give her one more against one of those, and and that should really, I think, set her up for whatever gigantic matchup you want next. Well, first of all, let me just say, I don't think that Lauren Murphy should be ranked ahead of Macy Barber. Uh, Lauren Murphy's last time out, she got absolutely destroyed by Jessica Andrade. Um, I think that that warrants. Um, and I mean, uh, I want to say Barbara's winning streak warrants her to be above. And I, I don't really need to see Lauren Murphy and Macy Barber. I think Macy Barber would win that. But Macy Barber and Kaylin Chukagan is a fight that I think would challenge uh, Macy Barber. This is a taller, uh, a taller woman, uh, uh, someone whose striking arsenal is is very different. Um, someone who's going to be fighting at a distance. Uh, Macy Barber's going to have to close that distance. We're, we'll see how her grappling holds up, and we'll see if her striking is going to be on the same level fighting someone like Chukagan. So I think that fight makes a ton of sense. But yeah, I mean, I think this youth movement um, with with Grasso and Taya Santos and Aaron Blanchfield, and 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 now of course you got Macy Barber, and you know I thought I thought Miranda Maverick was going to be a part of this, but uh, she's obviously got a ways to go, but. Uh, I think we're done with uh, the Lauren Murphys and the Jennifer Mayas. And I think Caitlin Chukagian is still on that, is still in there a little bit. But I think that's why you have Basie and, and Chukagian fight. So, um, yeah, I think the youth movement. And then you, you're adding Rose to this uh, division now. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think this division by a landslide now is probably the best in, uh, in the UFC. Just, just so much going on. And then you still got Valentina, who's probably – uh, the best, the best, and then uh, Grasso defending her title against uh, Valentina next. So uh, this division's on fire right now. I, I don't. You mentioned Rose coming up. Rose and uh, is it Furo that she's fighting? Yeah, that's going to be a really fun fight. Andrade currently is the number five strawweight and the number five flyweight. I know she's fighting 
uh, Tatiana Suarez at straw weight. I had not, I haven't heard. Has she, is she sticking with straw weight or is she still like kind of bouncing back and forth? She's, I feel like she's bouncing back and forth. I think uh, whenever there's like a late cancellation, wherever her weight's at, you know, she'll want to go in and and fight in that division. I think, you know, the door is open for her in both divisions for sure. But yeah, that, that women's flyweight division is terrific. And look, I mean, don't count Amanda Hebos out in terms of being able to, to, gain some forward momentum and, and turn this loss around. Uh, I I've, I've been really high on Casey O'Neill. I know she lost the last time out, uh, but I still think she has a very high ceiling. Uh, Tracy Cortez, I think might maybe has one of the highest ceilings of any of the lower ranked women in that flyweight division. She, she has a win over Aaron Blanchfield uh, in another promotion. Uh, you know, she, so I, I think she's very skilled uh, that flyweight division, especially adding Rose now, is uh is going to be on fire and yeah i think if you're if you're macy barber the only reason i threw lauren murphy out is because of the ranking and that number ahead of her uh and and you might not have too many options yeah i mean those are probably the only two that would make sense for her right now unless she wants to wait uh but i kind of want to touch on rose just a little bit um rose I, i feel like rose feels like this is the perfect opportunity for her to go in and try to win this title because if Valentina loses, I mean, I know her and Valentina are friends, but you know, Rose going in against Alexa Grasso, who says that Rose can't win that uh, with her striking arsenal. And then she's going to get going in against uh Furo and that's a winnable fight uh, to strikers. So I think she sees a easy path, not an easy path, but a very a winnable, winnable path. path to, yeah. A winnable path to the title. Um, but then at straw weight, you've got that weight cut, and then you've got Tatiana Suarez, and we know what type of game that she has. So, uh, you know, she's already fought Wei Lee twice. So I think this is something new and fresh for her uh, after, you know, that dud of a fight that she had against Carla. I think Rose is going to come back yeah. wanting to really make a statement, and I'm excited to see it. Well, and especially in that straw weight division, I mean, you've got a, Amanda Limo still waiting, right? And. Uh, like you said, Tatiana Suarez uh, with a big win is right in that title picture. I mean, I think given the fact that Rose has won that thing a couple times and what the the last fight looked like and having a wealth of great options toward the top of it now just seems like the perfect opportunity to make the jump. And again, I, I think for a while, to me, strawweight has been the most fun division. Rose is moving from what was the most fun division right into what is now the most fun division, right? Staying right, I think, in the uh, in the crosshairs of the the giant spotlight in in the three women's divisions. I got a I got a question for you. Now that Amanda Nunes is retired, who is the number one pound for pound fighter in women's MMA? <sighs> Okay, so I'll give you two answers. I'll give you the technical answer. Like, technically, I'll give you an answer, and then I'll give you just who I think it is. I think I know who you're go- where you're going with Technically, I go think ahead. it's Zhang Wei Li. Mm. I think it's really Valentina Shevchenko. But I can't, uh, you know, she's she, she lost, and so you can't put her at the top of that list because she's not even the champion in her own division. But... Uh, We'll see if she's she's uh, getting that belt back soon. Yeah, uh, I, I think that, that's spot on, man. I think uh, John Wei Li is the answer that you have to to put right now. Um, 
Grasso's right there, but you know, I think, you know, of course you're you have to beat someone of that level of dominance and that level of skill. You've got to beat them twice. So uh I think the winner of Grasso and Valentina is gonna be the number one on my list. But uh as of now, I wanna say it's Valentina, but of course she's not even the champion. So right. you gotta go with John Wei Lee. Right. I, I, I like can't do that. Just because, like, you know, if if we just do that, then why do we even have these fights, right? Like, what's right. the point uh, in absolutely. even having fights if we're just going to anoint someone despite them winning or losing? Like, that stuff to me, if we're going to do these sort of, like, rankings, it has to matter. Even though I think she's the best, I, I can't, like, put her number one on a on a list, you know, especially coming off a loss. She's not the the bell holder, so, yeah. So so that's why you, you thought, you know, a lot of people thought that, um, Volkanovski should should have remained the number one pound for power fighter in the world right. whenever he lost to Islam. But uh, you said uh, definitively that Islam should, should be should be Islam number yeah. one because Islam is the one who got his hand raised. Yeah, I mean they fought right. They both took the risk. They fought. Islam had his hand raised. Islam, I mean, won the fight heads up. He should be number one. Now, again, what what like I kind of feel in my gut versus like you know when you talk about pound for pound versus like what i think is the right way to do it are two different things but you know if if we're gonna if we're gonna fight then we have to like reward the results um despite you know maybe not always completely agreeing with them and look they're they're also i I say this all the time there are always exceptions to the rule as well so um, you know, there might be a time that I throw out something that kind of goes against that. And I would say that's, uh, probably going to be the exception to the rule, which always, always exists, right? There's an exception to every rule. So in the context of this though, yeah, that's how I feel. All right. Um, continuing on, on this fight card, um, the eye poke man for Justin Taffa was nasty. Yeah. You know, a guy that big, a guy that tough, normally doesn't react like that to to an eye poke. You know, normally it's just like a you know, ah, like ah, he he got me. Let me you know take let me get a few seconds. But this one was different. Like he was he's doubled over, like holding his eye. I mean, you could tell right away that this fight was over. Whenever that happened, and then when you see the replay, seeing in slow motion, it looked awful. So you, uh, you know, and then. You know, people are, are trying to, you know, say like, you know, uh, he wanted out, you know, he was losing or he was about to get knocked out, whatever the case is. Justin Taffa is is not that type of fighter. You know, um, his, there was literally blood coming out of his eye. I mean, there's <laughs> coming out of his eyeball. Like, there's no way that he could have continued. And if he could have continued, he would have. But that was just a, a, one of the worst eye pokes that you'll see. Um, but it, it looked like it was going to be a pretty entertaining fight. Someone was going to get finished, but it's just yeah. unfortunate that it ended that way. How could anybody say that when the whole fight lasted 29 seconds anyway? Like the eye poke having 29 seconds into the fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Austin Lane landed some good body kicks. Sure. And then off, off of one of them was when the eye poke happened. But um, yeah, there wasn't just, a, there wasn't enough for me to, to feel either way, but. Yeah, Justin Thomas just does, it just never has uh, struck me as that type of fighter to one out. Well, that fight was going to be one that, I mean, probably was going to be a first-round finish either way, right? Both of those guys, one of those guys was going to land a big shot, and that was probably going to be the end of it. So I, I had just have a hard time thinking that, like, he took a kick and decides, like, I don't want any more of this when he was prepared to possibly get knocked out. I mean, 
I don't know. That 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 seems like a stretch. Like the guy took a knuckle deep finger to the eye. Oh, just I can't look at those. By the way, they they like start. I just I'm I'm turning away. That's a that's a no for me, dog. (laughs) So so when injuries happen, like Anderson Silva or Chris Wyman, you're you can't look at the TV. The broken bones and the eye pokes, yeah, not for me. I can do blood. Like the blood doesn't bother me at all. Cuts don't bother me. That sort of thing. But yeah, like the the Chris Weidman kick, the Anderson Silva kick, like, oh, those like turn my stomach yeah. and the eye pokes, dude. Like I I I don't have eye eye issues, but I've said forever, like if I did, I would have to wear glasses because I don't think I could put contacts in my eyes. I don't think <laughs> I could like touch my eye to put a contact in. Like that's how much it just like touching eyes freaks me out. Yeah, you know. Which maybe never, you know maybe that makes me a, a giant wimp, but you know whatever. No, I mean <laughs> that's just how it is with some people. Uh, for me, I've never you know I I wear glasses and contacts, so yeah. I've never just you know had an issue with it. But uh, the eye pokes don't really bother me. Just but you know the the broken bones get me a little bit. I feel like maybe yeah. I'm. I, I I like not now nah, I like the the chaotic stuff and the the nasty stuff but I'm just like wow like look how his leg wrapped around the other guy's leg and now like the bones are popping out like that stuff is just not, it's just yeah yeah I don't know this is is weird but yeah, yeah. hard pass <laughs> on that hard pass on that all right next fight I will I will ask you a question and then you can talk about the fight David Onama knocking out Gabriel Santos. Does that at least deserve to be put in a knockout of the year contender list? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I feel like uh, he caught him with something uh, before the uppercut. I forgot what it was, uh, but he, I feel like Santos was hurt already. And then the uppercut just like shut the lights off. And it was just a, a beautifully timed, beautifully placed uh, uppercut. Um, I thought Santos did win that first round, but uh, Onama, you know, he's he's not here to to win these decisions. He's trying he's trying to go out there and, and shut your lights out. And that's exactly what he did, man. Um, I think that was a big big time win for him. Uh, Santos looked good against Lerone Murphy, and he was looking good in this fight. If this fight would have went to a decision. I, um, I think Santos. That's the type of fight that Santos would have wanted. But Onama proved he he showed the world what what he does best and. Getting that finished, getting that finished. I mean, that's that's what you uh, want to see from a guy like Onama. Santos was sleeping on the way down. Yeah, Onama lands another one on the way down, and yes. then and gets the follow up shot in after he hits the ground before the ref stops. So I was like, oh my god, he's out. He's <laughs> he, he is, is out. out cold. Like, so, no more. Get in there, ref. Get in there. Yeah. It I mean, was, I mean that just goes to show the speed. Of, oh yeah, of the top, he's right? a freak, I mean, man. He he got in there all those strikes in before the ref could go in there <laughs> right. and pull him off. I mean, it was, I mean, it was on full display. The speed, the precision, all that, man. Um, I think Onama has a high ceiling. I think I, could, I I'm not gonna say I wrote him off, but I kind of could see like late Nate Landwehr tested his heart, and I feel like Landwehr got the best of him in terms of heart, and I, and I kind of thought Santos would be able to do something similar, but Onama Onama's always been that type of guy that can close a show whenever, and that was on full display on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't know that I felt like it was heart as much as 
just like his gas tank in that landware fight was done. Like I, I just, I legitimately think he just had nothing left in the tank to give. And I know there are some guys that maybe dig a little deeper to find something. I just, you know, I think if you've never maybe been in that situation, um, you know, you don't know where to find that maybe, but I just, I just thought he had like emptied the gas tank and there was like literally was just on E and just, you know, the car's not going to go anymore. You know what I mean? So, uh, but again, he's very dangerous guy. Very dangerous. All right, uh, Brendan Allen over Bruno Silva. Uh, Brendan Allen, all of a sudden, is uh, sneaky in that middleweight division. Another rear naked submission. Um, I, I thought uh, we saw a bunch of different elements of Brendan Allen here to like, right? He took some big shots. He showed a, a, a big chin against uh, Bruno Silva, who, who hits heavy. Uh, he showed that he could also... Uh, hurt Bruno Silva on the feet, and then once again, what, what what we know about Brendan Allen is he can get that that submission finish. Uh, a lot to like about Brendan Allen now with some big time momentum. Yeah, you know, I, I the the type of fight that this was, I didn't think that Brendan Allen would win a fight like that. I thought he would have to mix in a lot of wrestling and uh, try to and and try to get his back, you know, submit him, which he ended up doing, but. Uh, I didn't expect the striking element of this uh, to be as uh, uh, as crisp and as dangerous as it was. Uh, so I think Brendan Allen is starting to find it. You know, I, we, he's always been a guy who's, who's got a lot of potential, uh, but he's always just you know lost just fights that he that he should win, like the Chris Curtis fight. Um, I'm not saying that he that he should have just you know walked walked through him, but a lot of people like the trajectory the trajectory that Brendan Allen was on. And Chris Curtis, who's good, put a stop to that. But um, I think now he's starting to really find it. He's starting to find the stride. And now it's starting to – we need to see Brendan Allen against uh, some of these ranked guys. Uh, we saw him against Andre Muniz, and he took his ranking, beat him, and submitted a guy who normally submits people, which I thought was big. And then it uh, outstruck Bruno Silva, who just who's coming off of a, a big knockout against Brad Tavares. So – uh, yeah, I think we need to see Brendan Allen against some of these top 10 guys. So he's fought three guys currently ranked in the top 15. He beat Muniz, uh, but he lost to both Chris Curtis and Sean Strickland. Um, I, you know, I, I know that uh, in that division, that's such a tricky division, right? Because again, as we uh, have talked about so many times, like Israel Adesanya being the champion and having basically defeated all of the big time contenders if not once, multiple times for some, kind of like opens the door for a guy like Brendan Allen maybe to get a title shot much sooner than uh, he would in any other division. I don't think like I would say, yes, like Brendan Allen is next, but I don't think it's out of the question if you give Brendan Allen like a top five guy and he beats a top five guy that you don't give him a title shot after that. Uh, But I I would want to see one more win against an upper tier guy um, you know, I know that the win streak is very impressive and I don't discount that whatsoever. Uh, I, I just, I'd like to see him get a win over a, a, an actual title contender, uh, before maybe propelling him to that point, which some were maybe suggesting on Saturday. So you'd want to see him fight another rank, a, a, a top contender first. Yeah. Before fighting like, and before, before being getting a title contender. shot, which like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I don't think he's anywhere near a title. No, I don't either, which is like some people were throwing out like with the win streak and that division and not having like a clear cut guy, like why not? And I'm like, well, why not? No, yeah. I I, I like Brendan Allen, but yeah, he's, I I don't think he's in the, I'm not going to say in the running, but like he's definitely got to do more uh, in order to, you know, get a title shot. I think um, it's, it's time to put him, to start putting him against, top 10 guys but a title shot even the discussion of a title shot i don't think he's there yet uh yeah. I, I think he needs probably two three more uh, to be in that discussion and they all need to be against uh these top 10 uh middleweights but yeah I, I think he's definitely ready to be to fight some of these top 10 guys and you know ever since i've sean strickland fight he's been calling for sean strickland uh any chance he gets I would like to see that rematch after seeing how Brendan Allen has fought in his last few fights. Uh, we'll see what happens with Sean Strickland on Saturday, but uh, I think that's a, a fight that could potentially happen. Uh, but yeah, Brendan Allen definitely deserves uh, to be in the top 10 uh, with these fights for sure. Like, look again, because of that division, I think it's a different scenario than other divisions where I would probably like, like you want to see maybe two or three, but in that division, again, because there's not like, I don't want to see a bunch of rematches over and over and over, you know, for Izzy. I would like to see some new fights. So I, to me, if Brendan Allen were to go beat Jared Cannonier next, like, okay, I'm in. Let's give Brendan Allen a shot. Or if Brendan Allen were to go beat Robert Whitaker, okay, let's give Brendan Allen a shot. But, you know, if he's not fighting like one of the top five guys at least, or like at least one of the guys that has fought Izzy for a title, then yeah, I don't know that I could jump on board with that. Like if he goes out and beats Sean Strickland next, right? Like, is that enough? Not to me, but if he goes and beats like one of the, the guys that has been a title contender, then yeah, I I'm in. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I can, I can get behind that. Um, when I, when I think about the top of the division, you know, I see, I see Marvin Vittori just lost and he's going to have a, he's still going to be probably ranked in the top five, maybe, Brendan Allen could could fight him in a in a fight night main event. Um, I, I know Duplessis fighting Whitaker. Uh, Cannonier just fought. You know maybe, you know I, I'm sure Cannonier wouldn't, wouldn't want to fight Brendan Allen, but you know if he if Brendan if he's able to get that fight, that would be big for him. Uh, man, um, I know Jack Hermanson's probably still in there. Chris Weidman and Brad Tavares are fighting. I'm sure Brent, I'm sure Brendan Allen may not uh, want to, you know, go low in terms of uh, who he's fighting next. But I think uh, he's he's got a lot of options. Just uh, if he wants to be at the top of the of the division, those options become pretty limited because those guys are one fight for the title. Yeah. Well, the the only reason I bring that up is because there was a lot of talk about the middleweight division and like because he called out Izzy right in the in the call out. Which, by the way, I loved his call out. He he had it rehearsed and and just took the mic from DC and and nailed it. Um, but it just kind of got me thinking, like in a in a in a real way, like how far away do I think Brendan Allen could be from a title? And in that division, especially, like I think if you beat currently the top five is Alex Pereira, who's lost to Izzy in a title fight, Robert Whitaker, who's lost to Izzy in a title fight twice. Jared Cannonier, who's lost to Izzy in a title fight. Vittori, who's lost to Izzy twice, once in a title fight. And Paulo Costa, who has lost to Izzy in a title fight. So if, if Brendan Allen gets one of those five guys next and were to beat that guy, 
then I'm in. Like, I, I okay, I've seen enough. Let's go. Let's let's have some new blood in a title fight against Israel Adesanya. But if it were to, like if Drickus loses to Whitaker, and then Drickus were to be the matchup, that to me wouldn't be enough. Or like getting the the Sean Strickland fight back, that to me wouldn't be enough. Uh, I feel like then you're talking about maybe two fights away from a title. But yeah, like in the middleweight division, because there's so many retreads in terms of the the title matchups, I would be totally fine with one win over one of those top five guys putting him in that spot. Yeah, you know, that's why Drickus is probably so close to a title fight. And that's probably why the UFC is putting him up against Whitaker because right. he he's beat Brunson, he's beat uh, Darren Till, but he doesn't have that former title challenger, middleweight title challenger to his name. And now you're putting him against Robert Whitaker. So it's now it's put up or shut up. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm with you. I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, if Drickus but wins, he, it's clearly going to be Drickus next, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. It's and if Whitaker wins, next, we're, sure. we're all like back to like, well, do we give Cannoneer a rematch? Like, a, like, you know, it's, there's just, there's no good options. Yeah, I think if whoever wins that fight is getting the next title shot at Izzy, even though um, I know they're not going to want to give Whitaker the, the next title shot. I just think, like, they're all, all the guys that have lost to Izzy, they're just in this, in the same spot. And, and if, if Whitaker can just get this win against the guy who you want to put Izzy against, I think you just have to give it to Whitaker at that point. I mean, look, I would just say this, I and I, I really like Robert Whitaker. If Whitaker wins, I would rather see a, a Pareda trilogy fight than a Whitaker oh, trilogy e- fight, right? Like, it's not even close. Easy. Yeah, not that, close. that's not even close. Like you said, my goodness. If if we could get Al, uh, Alex Pareda and Israel Adesanya fight again, that is the fight yeah. today. Like, the only reason why we're even discussing Drickus and Robert now is because Alex Pareda is not uh, is not pushing for the trilogy. He's moving up to 205. But that would clearly be the fight. But since he's moving, we're looking to what's next. And we're just like, uh, well, he kind of said that he wanted it, but Izzy didn't really want to give it to him. And if he's not going to get the title shot at 185, it makes more sense for him to pursue a 205 fight, right? Like fighting a non title fight at 185 just doesn't make any sense for Pareda. Yeah. I was under the assumption that like none of the parties involved really wanted the, to, to run this back right away. Um, I kind of felt like the the weight cut was kind of getting to Pajeda. He would have came back to fight Izzy. I'm not saying like he's ducking him by any chance, by any stretch, because you know he's beat him three times. But um, that weight cut's not getting any easier. Izzy, yeah. the me- physically and mentally, Alex Pajeda is his toughest matchup. And then Dana White, it, it, I think it's just better for the UFC if Israel's the champion. So. I kind of think they're like, okay, let's take some time away from Alex Pajeda. Uh, you know, Izzy's fought him twice already. Let's 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 you know build. Let's build off of what Izzy's done. So, yeah, um, I know it's 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 Rob and Drickus right now. So we'll see what happens. But if, if we can get Pajeda back in, that's the fight. I kind of thought Pajeda being the champ would have been more ideal because then all of a sudden you have a bunch of fresh matchups at the title, right? I mean, with Izzy back as the champion, not that Izzy isn't a fan favorite and people love him, but like, there's no good matchups because he beat everybody. Like you kind of hit the reset. If, if 
Alexa's your champion, and all of a sudden, like, Whitaker becomes a legitimate, like, really fun option again, right? Cannoneer becomes a really fun option again. Yeah, but I, I'm more I'm more saying, like, in terms of pay-per-view buys, I, I feel yeah. like, he, despite Alex Pajeda, you know, being, and you know, him having a lot of fresh matchups with Whitaker, Cannoneer, Paul Cos, and everything, still, you put Israel Adesanya in there with any of those guys, I think that Israel Adesanya pay-per-view buy-wise would be Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier beats Alex Pajeda versus Jared Cannonier. And by, you know, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, you ready to make some, or, or before we do that, um, prelims. You want to make any comments about uh, what we saw from the prelims? I, d- I do, actually. Um, but let me... Pull back up my my fight card. We had uh, Magny over Rowe, Randy Brown over Well, your boy Wellington Terman. Oh my goodness! Uh, okay, Matus okay. Rebecca. So I thought the I had high hopes for the Phil Rowe and Neil Magny fight. I thought Phil Rowe was going to go out there and kind of uh, nullify what Neil Magny does well because they're both so tall and so long. Um, but it was a Neil Magny special of a fight and, um, Neil Magny was able to get the split decision. Just, they just kind of hugged each other. Uh, but that's what Neil Magny does. So of course he was going to get the decision. Uh, I'm so glad Randy Brown beat Wellington tournament. Um, you know, I've, I've never been very high on, on Wellington tournament. And I thought that the, that the judges was going to give this one to Terman because of how he finished the fight. But, I was very excited for Tabitha Ritchie and Jillian Robinson, Robertson, and I was—I thought that Jillian Robertson was going to win this fight. Um, but Tabitha Ritchie, I think she's uh, officially become a player at, at women's strawweight. Uh, the way that she kind of uh, just made it look easy against Jillian Robinson uh, was just uh, phenomenal. So I think uh, she's a prospect to watch. But other than that, I mean, we've got—we had a lot of decisions. Um, but the fight that should have been fight of the night, I mean, I don't know how we, we gave the, the fight of the night to Ilya Teporia and Josh Emmett, but what, che- what Trevor Peak and, uh, Mariscal did, my goodness, that was one of the fights of the year, in, in, in my opinion. Those guys went out there and left it all out there back and forth. Um, that was just a phenomenal fight. I love what Teporia and Josh Emmett did, but I don't even think that fight was better than Macy Barber and Amanda Hebos. Uh, but yeah, um, Peek and, and, and Mariscal should definitely be fight of the night. I mean, like I said a minute ago, there are always exceptions to the rule. And maybe sometimes we just need to like understand that there's not just one fight of the night, right? Like, I think that you could make the the argument that that fight and both the main event and co-main event all were bonus worthy fight of the night caliber uh performances right i mean there are cards that that i mean i've seen a bunch of cards that the best fight doesn't even come close to any one of those three right i mean uh there's no way of controlling like how good you know a a, i mean you might have a, a fight of the year candidate and it just happens to be on the same card as the number one fight of the year like you're you're you had the second best fight of the year but you're on the same card as the best fight of the year so you don't get a bonus like can we can we not somehow correct this wrong and give multiple fight of the nights when it's worthy? 
perfect example of that. Gaethje Chandler was the first fight of the main card, and then Burgos and Billy Q followed that, and that was, I'm not going to say equally, but that was pretty damn close, uh, as good of a fight as, as Gaethje yeah. Chandler. But, yeah, um, I I just thought that uh, Mariscal and Trevor Peak, man, oh, that was such so a good, good fight. And uh, Macy Barber, man, the Hebos was so good, two ra- lasted two rounds, someone got a finish. Of course, Macy Barber got a, a performance bonus. But uh, and then Taporia and Josh Emmett was so one sided. I, I didn't think that that fight would get by to the night. But right. that was still a that was still a, a a good fight. But man, yeah, you're right, man. I, I mean, I know that they're trying to follow this model of fight of the night and then performance of the night. But UFC is going to have to start throwing around more money and, and give give these fighters, you know, what they deserve, man. Because um, I mean, and, and I know Dana was probably going to be like. We'll take care of those guys. You know, normally whenever yeah. someone asks them in the press conference, we'll take care of I them. But so. I, I kind of feel like that's kind of sweeping under the rug. It is like they should like be acknowledged. Like their name should be like fight of the night. We we yeah. Should this have guy had a fight it. of the night fight. Yeah. Yeah. So like that carries yeah, weight. Yeah, that that carries weight. So like let's not just sweep it under the rug. Like let's really acknowledge that this was a, a fight of the night caliber fight. Yeah, again, I'm not saying like every week you have to give multiple fight of the nights, but there are going to be cards where you have multiple like fight of the year contenders. And if you have that, then like I don't see the issue in saying like there are multiple performance bonuses every card, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like Macy Barber got a performance bonus. I think was it David Onama got the other one? Yeah. So you can give Barber and Onama both performance bonuses, but you can't reward two fights for being fucking awesome right. <laughs> like i'm not saying like just that. like give a, a good fight like that fight was incredible man yes that fight was inc- that fight was great and I, I thought i thought it was clear that that fight was going to be fighting tonight and the fact that it was to pour emmett really shocked me but yeah there should like especially when like you said there's exceptions to every rule yeah. This was one of those times. And we're not asking for every fight card, but this was one of those times where an exception yeah. uh, needed to be warranted for sure. All right, well, UFC Fight Night Strickland Magomedov on Saturday. Uh, this main card gives us six fights. I do want to pick your brain about the Kevin Lee feature prelim uh, before we make those picks. Kevin Lee back at welterweight. Um, a guy that I've always felt like has a really high ceiling, but I think has been well documented. Like maybe just doesn't have a perfect division. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to describe Kevin Lee. Um, he's his best division is at 155, but he just can't consistently make the weight. So he's up at 170, where it's going to be hit or miss on uh, on him and where his best days, where his best fights are. Um, his last time out, he fought Daniel Rodriguez, and he, he kind of got picked apart over three rounds. But um, the fight, his fight, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, but it's Renat. Man, that last name was a tough one. You want to give that one a go? <laughs> Fuck Retinov. <laughs> uh, that, that, I think that's good. That's good enough. Fuck, Re- Fuck Retinov. But yeah, that's not a that's not an easy fight to come uh, to come back to. Uh, that's a very tough fight, um, and 
I don't know, like what what the promotion kind of sees in Kevin Lee. Um, I don't know, like where they feel like he's going to, like what his ceiling is. Yeah. But they're giving him a guy who's won his last five, who's got a really really good record. Um, I don't. I I believe this is his UFC debut. Uh, I I might be wrong. He beat Brian Battle. But, uh, uh, Back in oh, December of 2022, right. that was his UFC. That's right. It, it, it was it was a flawless uh, uh, victory at that. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what the promotion like where they see his ceiling, but this is not a tough fight for Kevin. This is not an easy fight for Kevin Lee to come back to. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I'm not. My expectations of this are not very high for Kevin Lee. I'll say that. But uh, I would like to see him do well. But uh, this is a tough matchup. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, six fights on the main card. Uh, there, I mean, we we begin with another really tough pronunciation as uh, the main card begins in the middleweight division. It is Bruno Ferreira and Nursultan Ruzabov. Ruzabov. I, I have no idea. I think that's good pronunciation. I think that. that's good, man. That um, that sounds good. Like if you're trying to just sound it out, that's as good as it gets for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, like come on, that that that's really good. Uh, Bruno but, uh, is the betting favorite. Will at minus one ninety, and plus one sixty for Nursultan. So, Nursultan comes in, and he's won his last eight fights. Uh, he's been around the block. Um, but this is his UFC debut. Uh, he's got a ton of experience, but like what I saw from Bruno Ferreira, it's just really going to be really hard to pick against him. But, uh, this guy is a finisher. Um, uh, damn, uh, Riza, want to give that one a try for me again? Uh, no, okay. I've embarrassed myself uh, enough. So yeah, I, I, I like, I like the first name. Uh, Nur Sultan. Sultan. Yeah. Yeah. Nur Sultan. Uh, he's a he's a finisher, but I think Bruno Fajeda, uh I I just like in terms of danger, I like him a little bit more. So um, I'm gonna go with him. But the experience is definitely on their Sultan's side. You know, when when Bruno took that fight against RoboCop on short notice in Brazil at the beginning of the year, I mean, I, RoboCop was carrying a lot of momentum at that point, and uh, I I just felt like this guy was so excited to take this fight and seemed like really confident and got it done. Right. It's one thing to feel confident. It's another thing to back it up. Uh, I just, I love the demeanor that this guy had and for him to, to finish RoboCop was very impressive. So uh, give me Bruno to back up uh, what was an incredibly press impressive UFC debut back in uh, Brazil to begin the year. All right. In the lightweight division, we head to the second fight on this main card, Benoit St. Denis. By the way, I usually say St. Denis, but I heard you say Denise earlier, so I'll roll with your pronunciation. Uh, Ishma versus Ishmael Bonfim. Odds here have Bonfim as the minus 350 favorite, plus 260 for Benoit. This is a phenomenal fight. The odds don't uh, get don't do this fight justice. Uh, I do think that Von Fiem is is a special talent. We saw what he did to Terrence McKinney, but I do think this is going to be a tough fight for him. 
but he might just pass his test with flying colors. But Saint Denis has been has been pretty much flawless outside of moving up to 170 to fight uh, uh, Aliski Dos Santos, and and that was a fight where he didn't get finished, but you know he got his ass whooped. But that was at a, a whole 15 pounds up. Uh, at lightweight, I think he's undefeated. So I think this is a very, very good fight. But um, I just think that Bonfim, just the way his pressure, his creativity, I think he's just got it. Um, but I think this is going to be a tough fight for him. Um, I think the odds should be a little closer. But, what, but hey, what do I know? But my pick's going to be with Bonfim, but I think this is going to be really tough. My pick is going to be with Bonfim. I I feel really confident that Bonfim is going to win this. I echo your thoughts. Like I think that this is a tougher opponent than maybe people are giving it credit for. But I also feel like the odds are about right, and that is more to me about the positive nature of Bonfim than like anything negative about Saint Denis. Like I I just think Bonfim. Like I that McKinney fight, man. Like going back to Contender Series. And then that that McKinney fight, he just he looked like levels above McKinney, right? Who I think we both feel like is really good, uh, and he just looks super dialed in and razor sharp and uh, so technically sound. Like I, I just think this guy has very special ceiling, uh, and we'll see if he can continues to capitalize. But it's going to be Bonfim for me as well. All right, in the women's flyweight division, we have Ariane Lipsky and Melissa Gatto. Odds here are Gatto as your minus 250 favorite, plus 185 for Lipsky. You know, I ever since Lipsky's came to the UFC, I, I had high hopes for her. I watched her in KSW. She was the champion. Uh, I thought she would be um, among where you know, the Blanche Fields and, you know, Tracy Cortez and, you know, where all the young bloods are uh, just starting to really gain traction in this lightweight division. But she's kind of been really uh, inconsistent, up and down, up and down. She's been training with uh, Amanda Nunes. She held Amanda Nunes in her, in her last camp. Um, so I feel like she's a live dog in this fight, but she's just been so inconsistent. And Melissa Gatto has been, has been, uh, She's looked really good in her past few fights. She lost to Cortez, but Cortez is is uh, is one of the is a ranked flyweight at this point. I think this is a put up or shut up fight for both of them. I do expect this fight to be uh, very very good. Uh, I I kind of want to roll the dice and pick Lipsky, but she's been so inconsistent, man. Um, you know what? I'm gonna roll the dice. I'm, I'm gonna right. go ahead and go Lipsky. All right, uh, I'm going to go Gatto. I think this is a really good fight. I agree with you that I think Lipsky is a live dog. Um, I, I think you nailed it. I think Lipsky's just very inconsistent. And, you know, you say that, and she's the one that, that won her last fight versus Gatto, who lost her last fight. I also feel like I think Tracy Cortez is is potentially a top-five flyweight. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't put a ton of stock in into Gatto's loss against Cortez that that to me is more just I think reflective of how good Tracy Cortez is but I think this is a really good fight uh but to me Gatto has just shown me I feel like I know more what I'm gonna get as opposed to Lipsky which I kind of feel like is is all over the map but could be a really fun fight and to your point I think she is a, a live dog 
All right, fight number four on this main card takes us to the welterweight division. It is Max Payne Griffin and Michael Morales. This uh, has the potential to be one of the more fun fights on this fight card. Morales is the minus 250 favorite, plus 200 for Griffin. I think we're going to learn a lot about Michael Morales. Uh, I know he's got a lot of uh, hype on him right now. Maybe not as much as the Jalton Almeidas and the Ian Garys, but um, Michael Morales has kind of flown under the radar, but he's still one of those guys who's, who's got a lot of hype. But uh, like I said, we're going to learn a lot about him because Max Griffin's going to come after him, and he's going to uh, he's going to be pressuring him from from bell to bell for 15 minutes, and we're going to see what Michael Morales is really made of. Now, Michael Morales is is very creative. We've seen a lot from him, and he could be it could be a quick finish. Um, you know, uh, Max Griffin could go out there, try to pressure him and just get completely obliterated. Uh, Michael Morales is 14 and 0. He's, he's looked very impressive in the UFC. Um, man, Max Griffin's fought a lot of, he's, he's experienced. He's fought a lot of tough guys, but I just think, you know, kind of like with Bonfim and, and St. Denise, you know, I think this is going to be a tough fight for him, but I, I think at, at the end of the day, Michael Morales has he has more ceiling, he, and I think he's got more weapons. If he can stay off of his back, um, I think this is going to be a Michael Morales win. So give me Michael Morales. So I picks I've picked against Mac, Max Griffin his last four fights. I picked against him against Song Kanong. He beat Song Kanong. Picked against him against Carlos Condit. He beat Condit. Picked again against him against Magny, and he did lose that one in a split decision, but uh, I thought that was a very close fight. And then uh, I picked Tim Means to beat him, and he beat Tim Means. So you would think, like I would learn my lesson and not pick against Max Griffin. Uh, I'm really high on Michael Morales, though. I, I think that uh, he's a young guy that that is very skilled. I think he has a very high ceiling. But this is going to be a very tough fight for him as well. I don't think this is an easy fight at all. I mean, like, look at... I think Max Griffin's last two fights have been against two of the tougher just matchups in, in that division, right? Neil Magny makes everyone look bad, even in even when they beat him, right? Generally, it's not like a, a, a an impressive win. Uh, and, and Tim Means is another one of those guys that just makes you grind uh, to get a win. And, and I, th- I feel like that's what Max Griffin is going to do to Michael Morales. He's going to make him grind to get a win here. Um, so I'm going to go Michael Morales, but just know that I said, I don't feel good about it just because every time I feel like I pick against Max Griffin, he uh, comes out on the other side. So Michael Morales for me in this welterweight matchup. All right. Co-main event takes us back to the lightweight division, a big time matchup in the lightweight division. Demir Ismagulov and Grant Dawson. This is a minus 110, minus 110 pick em, Will, for Ismagulov and Dawson. Yeah, man. This is a uh, this is a tough one to pick, man. Um, Ismagulov is as good as it gets, man. I, I, I think that... Um, like before he before this fight or before the Sarukian fight, the guy was twenty four and one, and he had won, I believe, like you know something some crazy like thirteen fights in a row or something crazy like that. And then Sarukian showed just how you know high level that he is by beating him. And I I want to say that Ismagulov was going to retire after that. I might be wrong, but 
Um, this fight with Grand Dawson, uh, I both guys are are really good at what they do. Grand Dawson, in terms of the wrestling, we 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 saw how great he was when he beat uh, Marco Madsen. So, uh, man, if I had to pick someone, which you do, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn, this is tough. Give me a just thinking that uh, in a matchup like this, what's going to be the skill that takes over? That's going to be the story of the fight. I think it's going to be the wrestling. So give me Grant Dawson in a very close fight, split decision type of fight okay. where he just edges it out. So give me Grant Dawson. All right. So I I really liked the run Ismagulov was on. I mean, he had beat Joel Alvarez, Tiago Moises, Rafael Alves, Guram Kutataladze, who, by the way, is also on this card and a very good lightweight. And then, I mean, I, he was as tough a matchup for uh, Sarukian as we've seen, right? I mean, that was a, a fun fight. Um, I think that he is, I mean, maybe one of the best 10 lightweights in the world. I, I, like, I, I think this guy genuinely could be that. He's only 32 years old. I had not heard the retirement stuff, which maybe somewhat worries me about like what his mindset is if he's like really in this or maybe he like wants one last paycheck. So uh, you did give me reason to pause with that statement, but um, I just I think he's very well rounded. And uh, while I think Grant Dawson is really good, I, I just think that this guy is good in so many areas that. Uh, I like him to to win a a decision victory over Grant Dawson. So I'll take the other side of this co-main event. Is Magulov Grant Dawson? Should be a fun fight, though. All right, main event in the middleweight division. It is Sean Strickland and is it pronounced Abbas? I believe so. Abbas Magomedov, which, by the way, anybody that has, like, Magomedov in their last name. There's like some crazy stat about their like winning percentage being at like 90% or something like that in, in, uh, in the UFC. Um, fun fight though. Sean Strickland and Abbas Magomedov. The odds here have. Strickland as the minus 150 favorite plus 125 for Magomedov. So, um, Michael Madoff came into the UFC with that um, big time 19 second knockout um, over Dustin Stolzfus. Um, it was just, it was just amazing. It was just a, a splash of impact. That front kick and then the the follow up shots was just devastating. Um, but I'm not gonna, you know, I need to see more. I can't just go. Um, and I can't just go and be like, yeah, Magomedov is going to be that guy uh, based off of uh, a very good debut. Like, like that was a debut. Now, he, maybe he, this does warrant him a, a fight like this. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, regardless, he's in the fight. So, but I, you know, I've just seen so much of Sean Strickland fighting um, Nasruddin Mavov and uh, Jared Cannonier, and you know, he's fought the best of the best, and we just know what we're going to get. What is what does Abbas do if you know that front kick doesn't land, or if that, uh, or if you know Sean Strickland's defense just uh, negates all of his spectacular offense? 
Um, so yeah, just you know, I, I just haven't seen enough of of Magomedov to just pick him off of one 19 second knockout. So uh, give me Sean Strickland, man. Yeah, it's always tough when somebody wins in that fashion, right? Because while it's spectacular, it's like you don't really like it's hard to get a gauge on what is in the arsenal. Uh, what you can expect from a gas tank stamp, right? Like, it's like, yeah, that was great, but I want to see more. Like, I, I learned so much more uh, by watching them fight longer than, you know, and everybody wants to win in 19 seconds, obviously, but yeah, I'm with you 100%. Like, I, I think that, first of all, the UFC, I don't think even makes this fight if they don't feel like Abbas has a very high ceiling, right? You're not even getting the Sean Strickland matchup if the UFC, and, and put in a main event, if the UFC doesn't feel like there's traction there at least. So like, I just can't confidently make that selection to your point. Cause I, I just, I don't feel like we've seen enough from him. Like, you know, that he's dangerous, but we, we know that Sean Strickland is, first of all, his defense is always great. Uh, he is, is somewhat of a psychopath and, uh, you know, he's yeah. going to make it hard on you. And look, I think the, the Alex Pereira fight for him was was the outlier, right? I mean, Cannoneer went five rounds with Sean Strickland. We just saw what Cannoneer did against Marvin Vittori. And Cannoneer Strickland went five rounds. And, and uh, you know, like it was like Strickland knows what he's doing in there, despite like, you know, being the, the somewhat like off the rails type of personality. Uh, I think he will fight a very smart fight. And I've just seen so much more from Sean Strickland that, to make a pick here, it just feels like Sean Strickland has to be the pick. Um, and maybe, you know, after Saturday night, we have like a new contender if we get another like 19 second knockout. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll know a lot more about this guy. I think after a test like this, uh, even like, even if you had a 19 second knockout, but it's against, I, I like, I don't know, Brad Tavares, right? That's a completely different thing than like, I think Dustin Soltzfus is good. But is that like, is 19 seconds there going to, I, I don't know. We'll see. This is a completely different level of competition. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's why they're in the main event. But Sean Strickland for me also. Yeah. And at, at least like, I understand like, you know, a lot of people when this fight was made were, were, were like really puzzled by it. But like the guy did get a 19 second knockout and the guy obviously is exciting. So you put him in this spot. This is a division that needs contenders. Um, Sean Strickland is always in, uh, at the very least, he's in entertaining fights. Uh, he doesn't really go to the ground all that often. There's always a stand-up, uh, a stand-up war. And uh, for as um, for as much of a lunatic as he comes off, like when he's in the octagon, he's he's very tactical, very right. defensively uh, uh, sound, and all that. So. Yeah, I I just think um, skill wise and all that, this is going to make for a very entertaining main event. I'm excited for it. At first, I was I was a part of the crew of like, why is this a main event? Like, who who even is this guy? But then, as you read more into the matchup, you kind you sh- you kind of start to understand what the UFC is thinking. So I'm excited for it. And this card as a whole is it's sneaky good. Yeah, it is the sneaky. first the first fight of the night is uh, our boy Alexander Romanov and Blagoy Ivanov. Yeah. Uh, Romanov has some um, making up to do after that last fight. Yeah. I mean, the guy gained 30 pounds, looked awful on the scale, and got his ass whooped. So uh, I think that's why the UFC put him as the first fight of the night. So um, I, I think he's got a lot of making up to do with this fight. And then we got Kevin Lee on the prelims, right. and 
yeah, it's going to be a pretty awesome night, man. By the way, real quick before we go, um, just looking at the the fight sheet for Magomedov. Uh, so he beat Stoltzfus with that that kick in 19 seconds. Uh, fight before that, again, we're going to like KSW and, and these other promotions, but uh, win, wins by guillotine choke. The fight before that was a 47-second Kimura. Um, before that, uh, let's see, a decision, and then round one by punches, round one body, uh, body kick and punches, round one punches, round one guillotine choke, round two guillotine, guillotine choke, round one punches, round two rear naked choke, round one punches, like, it's all over the place, and he's a finisher more than anything. He gets it done in a bunch of different ways, but I think that, that on its own should at least, uh, give you confidence that uh, this is going to be a fun fight. Absolutely. I mean, the guy's a finisher and he does it in many different ways, obviously, as you just uh, laid out, but you know, you got to give credit to Sean Strickland yeah. and his defense. So we'll see what something's got to give, you know, Sean Strickland's not, not a guy who gets finished much. Alex Fajeda is the, the guy that's done that, but um, we'll see if, if Albus Magomedov is that guy. That's why these two guys are, are fighting. Absolutely. All right, my friend, it'll be a fun fight, uh, fight day on Saturday. We will obviously be in touch. And next week we are, uh, getting closer and closer to UFC pay-per-view week. So, uh, enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. Absolutely, man. Uh, can't wait for international fight week next week. Uh, and then this is, uh, this fight card sneaky good. Just getting us ready for uh, a bomb month of July in terms of fights. So I'm ready for it, brother. All right, that is it for us. Back next week, that's Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels, and we'll talk to you next time.